tonight is going to be our debate night special. We are recording this exactly one week after the first night of the Democratic primary debate in Miami. Let's get into it. sit in our brains we've faster. been sitting on this for a pretty long time feels like years yeah last week feels like eons ago it does so first thing that is important to note considering we are a pod for the planet is that the first debate dedicated less than 10 minutes to talking about climate change uh the second debate dedicated a little bit more than the first debate, but only about 30 seconds more to climate change. <laughs> so, so it's like, what, seven and a half minutes? Uh, it's about like 16 minutes in total between the two nights dedicated to climate change. LMAO. That's what the fuck, DNC? Well, it's pretty wild considering there's so many people talking about like wanting a climate debate in totality. But the thing is, I don't blame... Like, there's so many issues to talk about. So many issues to talk about. That's why I think there needs to be a separate climate debate. And I know the DNC is like, we don't do single-issue debates. But climate change isn't a single-issue debate. Climate change affects every other thing. It touches upon every single aspect of our lives and the lives of everybody in the United States. And there's so many, like... It's tied to so many of those things that we they talked about, which is immigration, which is health, which is like rights, which is which we talk about all the time. Like it's it's so deep reaching and it's gonna be such a big thing that like just like one question in a debate is not enough. When I when we were watching that and that one question about climate was directed at Jay Inslee. Hmm. The smile on his face, that poor guy waited so long. That question didn't come until more than halfway <sighs> into the debate. Uh, and Jay Inslee was just like grinning, ear to ear smile. He yeah. was like, finally, it's what my I time thought. to shine. My day has Great. come. My day in life. What I think is cool about Inslee, like, I don't think he's a viable presidential candidate if i'm going to be honest well he is the only one of the 20 presidential candidates that has liked one of my tweets and has tweeted oh fuck. so jay, in, sponsor in us my book, jay inslee jay inslee if you're listening me. please sponsor us what i was gonna say though is that like uh like I'll get back to it. But, oh, despite the fact that he's not a viable presidential candidate, like, he's a cool dude. Could see him heading, like, something interesting. He has shifted the debate to talking about climate change more, which is important because, like, we might not even have gotten that one question if he wasn't on the stage. And, like, half the candidates, when talking about what the, like, major threat was answer, like, half of them said climate change. Inslee said Trump, though, which I was like, bro, your whole thing is climate change. But I guess he's like, I get that in enough. I might as well use this as 
an alternate opportunity to slide in a hot take. Yeah, I feel like that moment where he said that Trump was the biggest threat was really one of his like higher moments, aside from moving away from like the climate change debate stuff. Aside from that, that was one of his bigger like breakaway moments where he was like kind of differentiating himself, but he was like one of the first people to be like, hmm. yo, he played Trump's himself fuck. though. In the middle of the debate, he said uh, he was like, wasn't he the one who was like, I'm the only one fighting for women's rights? Oh, and then Clo- and the- Amy Klobuchar was just that, like, boy, not, what do you mean? <laughs> Klobuchar say. was like, homeboy, there are three ladies upon this right. stage. And he was like, you right, you right. Tim Ryan <laughs> said he wants to like dominate the solar industry if he was president. I don't think I remember him. Yeah, so Tim Ryan was talking about how China is currently, like, leading uh, with, like, solar Mm -hmm. production. Basically, when he becomes president, he wants to put all, like, resources into um, making more jobs in America by, um, like, through the solar industry. And he wants, like, the U.S. to be, like, number one in, like, solar production and also... I remember him mentioning that I forgot what the exact number of like electric cars that he said are going to be um, produced in the next four years or so. But he said he wants the United States to at least like um, produce half of like that amount. So he his focus is like dominating the solar industry and just making a bunch of electric cars in regards to like a um, uh, a greener like infrastructure future energy all those words clean <laughs> <laughs> buzzwords <laughs> synergy i think it's important to note however that like most of the candidates if you look at their environmental platforms on their websites at this point uh, have included some sort of like renewable infrastructure boost, some sort of package where they're trying to get at like get at a growth in the green energy production sector. Mm-hmm. So I think like okay, wanting to dominate on solar isn't too much of a defining environmental platform. Basically, like like it's a great thing to say if you're trying to get like at the business aspect of stuff. But I think it's he's, there's still a long way to go from just, like, dominating on solar. I think that's, like, a good way to uh, appeal, though. It's, like, shitty that we have to do this, but it is a decent way to appeal to, um, like, middle-of-the-road people who are, you know, like, yeah, I think climate change is bad. Yeah, I give a shit about the environment, but, like, I am need to, like, work, and I, like, the economy is important to me. So, like, that is a decent way to appeal to those folks but i i'm sorry i all the all the mashed potato men are blending in my head i don't remember which candidates are which by mashed potato man i mean i need like a um a guide to the white men (laughs) running for candidates right now (laughs) because they all are one mayo mashed potato man in my head Maybe like i know it doesn't really help for the that the what I, I know it doesn't really help for the faces for all of it, but the guys over on um, Pod Save America are working on a series of interviews for all of the Democratic presidential mm-hmm. candidates. All twenty? 
All Fuck. 20. Yeah. Damn. They're almost done. They're just they just need to get Biden and Bernie. And then they've done it. The B-Boys. The B-Boys. Give me the B-Boys and free my soul. Biden, Bernie, and Buttigieg are on a roll and should go away. You don't know this I song? Know. No. I don't know a lot of things. Give me the B-Boys and dismantle capitalism, please. <laughs> How do you say his name? Uh, Biden. Beto O'Rourke. Beto. Beto. Oh, Beto. He was the only one B-boy. that mentioned sustainable agriculture. Yeah, but did he say that in English or in Spanish? Yeah. <laughs> in English. Sorry. And yeah, uh, or and I've old. seen the memes. <laughs> He's like <sighs> I think Beto O'Rourke has just been destroyed by Julian Castro. Yeah, fucking like that, like Castro, that was just he was just demolished. Yeah. Castro wrecked his shit. Also, I wish that Beto I don't hate him. But I wish he would, like, win something in his state before he... That's how I feel about a lot of them. Like, there's no one up there that I, like, dis... <laughs> That's not true. But, like, a lot of them, I'm like, yeah, you're viable, like, state candidates. And, like, why are you running for... Why? why? Except for that one lady. Uh, Which one? Marianne. Oh, Marianne Williamson. She's not viable. Like, you've got to go. We've got. Hey. She's an anti vaxxer. She'll be was with that, you. Don't was that the second night? Okay. Yeah, she yeah. was on the second night. She was like very spooky, really? scary. Ooh. And mm, she, she is. Was, fun fact she was the only one of the 20 candidates in the debates that was tripping on acid during the debates (laughs) yeah she was real spooky maybe she'll like fix climate change by like casting a spell or something but like what the fuck was up with that was she's gonna collect all the sage in the united states and put it in a big pile and burn it and it'll cleanse our sins sage is a cultural appropriation um, one of the big things to <laughs> hop off skipped of that, over that, okay. Um, <laughs> Bye. One of the big things that we need to keep in mind, um, not keep in mind, uh, that annoyed me about the first night and with like all the candidates who would be really great, who like, great, you're running for president, but like you could do so many other things, was that I think it was Chuck Todd or someone kept mentioning like, Freaking what would you Chuck. do about like how would you work with a senate that's controlled that was by like Republicans one of the questions it was like the mitch mcconnell question um and with that like that's assuming like how how could anyone answer the question like what would you do if like your party doesn't win back the senate i feel like that was like really putting all of the candidates between like or like a rock and a hard place almost because it's like they don't want to be like Oh well, I'll, like I'll do this, but they still want to be like, like uh-huh. pragmatic. Well, well, also, okay. Chuck Todd and I have a really complicated relationship that he doesn't know about, but basically, he's like, I love him, one of my journalism heroes. But then also, he's really um, getting hurt in my feelings lately. And he's like low key a gaslighter, and also he talks so much during debates with that have so little time. Hot take on J- Chuck Todd. Um, but yeah, the the way he asked that question was like, 
assuming that you don't win back the Senate. And it's like, there's not a candidate on stage that's gonna readily admit to, or like readily be like, when we don't win back the Senate. So that was just a, that was a dumb question in my opinion, or it could have been phrased in a way that didn't make any of the candidates like say that. Cause if you're running for president, you're not going to go into a question being like, when we don't win back the Senate, like you can't say that. Right. You want the people that are going to vote for you to believe that you're going to like make change and be like, we are going to win the back the Senate no matter what. And like, even yeah. if it's, it, yeah. even if like, there is no chance or there is a slim chance you like don't mention it and you just like say oh this is how we're gonna do the stuff that you want okay i have a question so ramel i know you're like less into politics more into the environment yeah um but we should all who like based off of just like what's been happening thus far do you guys have like a top three candidates right now? It can change, but like, do you have a current top three or two candidates? Uh, I'm interested. The answer can be: it is too soon to know. Corey Booker, so, <laughs> I think. Oh yeah, you... uh, really? I. I feel like if it would have to like come down to like a debate against one of the uh, one of the Democratic um one of the one person from the Democratic Party and then like with Trump, Cory Booker is like I feel like he has like the potential to like wreck Trump in a debate. You didn't see some of Kamala's. Uh, was shit, that though, day right? two? <laughs> okay, it was no, day I didn't. two. Yeah. She like wrecked really? Biden day two. Yeah, she she like wiped the floor with Biden. Uh Kamala's absolute destruction of Joe Biden. Uh like was she talked about her experience uh going to school and like they talked about like uh mm-hmm. school busing um and like the desegregation of schools in California and Biden's previous stance on federally mandated busing um the it it was absolutely like super profound and you could tell there was like a lot of emotion behind it and it was like a very genuine like it, it was weird because it was like so much genuine emotion but in like the form of an attack and it was just very well worded and like very well executed on her part so i feel i like really thought out of the two nights of debate like like warren's my top choice um but like besides her i thought castro killed it i thought booker killed it and i thought kamala killed it but uh like kamala's history is really an issue for me but i also could totally see her going up against trump she has like a lot of issues with her because she used to be a prosecutor mm-hmm. and she made a lot of in my opinion not great calls that like endangered the trans oh. community endangered the african-american community there's a long list of there's a really long thread on yeah, twitter, twitter that thread. has a bunch of all of the things that she uh 
has done as like a prosecutor and like it's like a couple of reasons why not why like not to support her for the presidential bid um we can link to that in the show notes um but i i wish that she would come out and like apologize for some of that or give an explanation for some of that um in a way that i i don't feel like she's done enough for right now um and then i could maybe get behind her but as of right now warren is my number one girl she's i just think like by far the most qualified uh for me my top three as of right now in no particular order would have to be uh warren castro um and uh the third person keeps changing it's between kamala booker and Buttigieg, um and it just keeps like flowing around so that, that that's like my rough top three i wish Buttigieg would run for state i don't think he's ready for the presidency i like him agreed like i like him i'm fine with him but i, I wish he would run for his state because like those those elections are just as like they should be held to the same level of importance as the presidential election right now and like i don't know i think he'd like do great in that setting before he just is like jumping to presidency but i also think it's badass that we have like an openly gay man doing so well in the polls right now like that's pretty cool too Um, one of the things that, just looking through my notes, that really struck me about the first night, um, and Ormel, you mentioned, like, who would be the best person to go up against Trump in a debate. Um, I was really taken back by, uh, Warren's performance, uh, during the debates and how, the the way she composed herself and the way that she handled answering all the questions uh and the way that she handled like all of her rebuttals she was very reserved and she was very like she was just quiet she like she knew that she was setting the tone with all of her policy platforms like we all knew going in that like warren had a plan she has like all of this stuff outlined and she for the first night was the person driving a lot of the conversations where I know like there was multiple times throughout that debate where the, where the moderators were like, uh, Senator Warren has X plan and about for healthcare. Like, uh, what, what do you think? Like, and asking another person on another candidate on the stage, like what they thought of Senator Warren's plan. Um, I just found that was pretty interesting. And I think that that would like, she just seemed very presidential in that moment. And I think that in a debate between her and Trump after the, like after the three and a half years that we've just been through, I think people would be like, this is something completely different. 
than what we've had and that I might like, be a little like bit refreshing when, and like, might be first, advantageous for her when she first like i uh, like started to speak she somehow consolidated like everything that she wanted to talk about in like that minute she went from like the prison system to like the targeting of like african-americans and latinx people and then to free college and i'm like oh okay and she i think i think she was the first person to talk in the debate can anyone fact that okay but yeah yeah uh, i can't fact check that but i i was honestly running five minutes late and rewatched the beginning via the internet so i don't remember what right. the exact order she is. she was mm-hmm. the first person to speak i believe I, I saw a good meme um it's very au specific but i'll explain the context SIS is like School of International Service at AU, and they're like, like, they're just, it's a great major, but they can be a lot, and there was a good meme where it was like Liz Warren in the middle, and it was like Booker and Beto next to her, and it was Beto talking, and Booker and Warren just like looking at him, and it was like SIS freshman, and then Warren was like the professor, and Booker was like uh, senior because <laughs> I don't know. She just seemed like she had like control over like the debate. Like she was just like the. I, I saw another thing on Twitter that was like um, uh, Castro and Booker were like impressive tonight, but impressive in the way that I was like, I hope Warren considers them for VP kind oh, of yeah. impressive. Um, And I think. Hmm. Yeah, I'd I'd so be down for a Warren Castro ticket. Um, yeah, who knows? And that's a, an interesting like difference between the first night of the debate and the second night of the debates. The first night we watched it at home um, with some friends, and the second night we decided to go out um, to a beer garden, and like we we were just like you know what like, let's go out and watch it. We had such a good time from the first one, uh, and like a couple of things that I noticed was that like the first night of the debate was very sub substantive, uh, very presidential. Like I felt like there was like so much information and it was so policy oriented, and there was so good, so much good stuff happening in that. Whereas in the second night, my like main takeaways from it were that it was just like overall. A much more aggressive debate and like the tone of the debate was not set by one person it was more so just like everybody arguing over things almost um and there was a lot of like center middle of the road uh voices um kind of just like yelling into the void almost conflicting with a couple of more uh liberal more leftist voices um well also like your girl like i love bernie i really do i'm not ready for him i don't whatever i love bernie like but when you put bernie in any type of debate like it's just gonna be shouting there is one point where like everyone was shouting both the moderators were shouting everyone on stage was shouting and all you could hear was bernie's voice like literally all you could hear is bernie's voice because like Man, that that old here's, man. Here's, and he was good, but it just like that's like the the tone he brings in. 
here's the thing with Bernie, and you said it before with Jay Inslee that like there are some candidates that just like enter the field and they aren't the ones that like are the best for the nomination or the best for the position, but they are the candidates and they are the people that are best suited to push the debate and to push the conversation and to push like all the policy and all the other candidates in a direction that more people in the country want to go. Um, and I think that's very important. I, whoever gets the nomination at the end of the day is going to get my vote. Oh yeah. So, but, but like, I, I think it's important that we like still try to make sure that we are putting the best person up there to get the nomination um politics yes yeah. <laughs> fun 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 i um, i mean this like the whole primary season is like i don't know for me it's like fun because i'm like look at all these people that i would vote uh, for like look at all those chickens that's how i feel <laughs> look at all these presidents but it's like it's exciting because there's all these people and there's these young people and there's so many women and there's so many people of color. I mean, not really so many, but so many in comparison to what there used to be, um, which is just like really exciting. And there's all these people that I would be super happy to place my vote for. Um, but I, I think there's a like fear in the democratic party right now that's like we have to choose the most electable candidate the one that's gonna like be the safest bet to beat trump because we need to get trump out because we've got 12 years for climate change and like i get that instinct but like we just need to pick the best candidate like the most qualified the one with the best plans the one with like a good track record um and not be afraid to like take risks in that way i think like playing it safe is is not the road to take um and with not playing it safe uh and not like not backing down we need to like put all as like a group of people we need to put all of our energy into the 2020 elections but like not just the presidential elections like on all levels of government we need to like make sure that we are fighting for the values and what we believe in and one last thing from the second night of the debates uh was when pete Buttigieg was talking about the gop uh and their hypocrisy uh and like the religious implications of that and he really tapped into like an argument about his faith and about like how uh, the Republican Party has been using religion and faith uh, to like cloak their actions, like take uh, abortion rights, for instance, like um, the Republican Party is perfectly fine using the cloak of religion to mask their pro-life agenda. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to like immigrants at the border being okay. locked in cages where is their religion like you're where saying, are the religious values then you're saying using like morals or religion or whatever you use to like make a specific point but 
only picking and choosing when you're sticking to those guns for lack of a better term um and i i mean that's something we call out in the republican party a lot and i'm comfortable saying there's a lot of people who use religion um as like a source of their to fuel hate they pick parts of the bible that like align with that and then choose to ignore the parts that you know preach love and acceptance and Mm-hmm. all that other stuff um but i think that that's something that we can like try to tap into as like the democratic party is like being the party of like sticking to those moral guns ramel just to get your opinion as like someone who isn't too interested in politics how, how do values play into like your decision making when it comes to stuff like this i guess like the reason why like i'm not too big on politics is one it like does confuse me at times and I don't know where to start but you know usually when there is the beginning of the election that's like a great time to like you know get your feet wet in politics like right now I guess what turns me off about politics is that um you know people like switch like switch campaigns or like I uh, like ideologies like repeatedly so like for example yeah Tulsi um, Are you talking about Tulsi yeah, Gabbard? she she was oh. talking about like how she was like against she had like how she was raised conservatively and was like against LGBT, right? And I, on one hand, I can understand that like people do change over the course of time, but it's also like is that change because genuinely they see that there's something that there is something wrong with them, or because like this is what their voters want? I agree. I think Tulsi, what's her? Gabbard, Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. I think that her, um, it wasn't even an apology, but her response to the question about her previous homophobic um, views was super disingenuous, was not, I, I think she led into it in a way that I could have been with her when she was like, I think you can agree or like understand when someone talks about being, you know, raised in a conservative home but she didn't apologize and she didn't I, I don't I don't see her as someone who genuinely made that switch because of a true like ignorance and change of heart. I see her as someone who made a switch for political gain. Just touching on like your like like the general distaste for politics and like people making promises like our political systems and like our government systems are constructed in a way that like don't encourage the most participation like systemically like they're just designed so that like the masses don't have control over what what is done like we saw this with the 2016 election like Hillary won the popular vote but like it doesn't that doesn't matter because the electoral college exists and like that also shows just how important like 2020 is for a lot of systemic stuff like for voting rights um in the country 2020 is a census year um so like aside from all of the presidential politics and all of this uh we need to keep in mind that like change can be made on all levels of government like we need democrats to win in state legislators uh because since it's 2020 since it's a census year like that means that redistricting is going to happen 
the following year by whatever party controls the state house in each state. So uh, we need to really make sure that we are in control of that redistricting, especially since the Supreme Court just gave that ruling about where they said that federal courts are no longer allowed to uh, have a say in issues of gerrymandering. If we let gerrymandering go far enough and also voter suppression go far enough, your voice will not matter. So like right now, more than ever, your voice matters the most. In the show notes for this episode, we're going to have a bunch of resources where you can volunteer your time or uh, sign on for, to campaigns or sign on to uh, donate uh, any amount of money that you want to a variety of different funds and organizations uh, that can help uh, with uh, getting more Democrats elected and just like including uh, more people in the vote. Uh, and that is all the time we have. This has been our first Democratic debate special. I'll drink to that. Uh, thank you listener for listening to another episode of pod for the planet please comment and let us know how we're doing uh we're still playing around with this new formatting and stuff we're just trying to figure things out as we go uh and we're hoping to find out what works best for you the listener so please let us know what you think as always please subscribe uh and drop a like on whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts uh and please share us with your friends uh, and your coworkers and anybody you think would be interested in environmental things or political things or just hearing people talk uh if you have an idea for a future episode or if you're interested in talking with us about something you've heard in this episode uh you can reach out to us on our new twitter and instagram accounts at pod for the planet that's the number four uh and those are being run by abby so thank you again for listening to pod for the planet have a good day